hosted by the Frankenmuth JCs, the World Expo of Beer happens the third weekend of May yearly. The mixed celebration of professional beer making competition and festival allows for brewers across the world to flex their brewing prowess to a festival also known for its fun and exciting atmosphere. James Boyd joins us to discuss how judging works, how the festival benefits nonprofits, and even answers questions about last year's sticker shock that attendees were given for entry and how it has changed for this year. We welcome you to the Michigan Beer Series, episode 25. Whether your beer is in a bottle, can, or glass, kick back and relax. It's Better on Draft. Welcome, everybody, the Michigan Series, episode 25. My name is Ken. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. If you are listening via the podcast, of course, you can join us live Fridays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we're going to be taking a few weeks off, so pay attention to our website, betterondraft.com, uh, to see which weeks we are taking off, because uh, including our guest today, uh, that'll be one week we are taking off. Let's go around see what everybody is drinking, starting with Wendy. Wendy, what do you got over there? I uh, picked up a Revolution Brewing Deet Star tonight for the show. Ah, uh, pronounced correctly now that we know how to do it. Robert, right. what do you got? Uh, I've got myself a can of Untitled Arts uh, Chocolate Milk Dark Brew. Uh, that's the N.A., isn't it? That is the N.A. Dark Brew, that's right. Dan, what about you? I'm going hard, you know, with the Stoli and soda. This time I went with the Stoli blueberry just to mix it up a little bit. And then to really throw everyone off, I've got a Bud Light next to follow it up. I actually had a couple of those earlier this week. They were there. They're okay. <laughs> they don't really have flavor, they're, yeah, no. but they're not bad. Uh, for myself, I've got a Three Gatos. Um, I can't read the name of the beer, but it's an oatmeal stout. Um, and then I'm going to follow it up with the Brew Detroit Cornerman, uh, our guest today from the World Expo of Beer, which is having their upcoming festival and just announced all of their winners. Uh, James, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us uh, what you do, who you are, and uh, give us the 30-second the rundown. Absolutely. Uh, James Boyd, I'm with the Frankenmuth JCs. I've actually been involved with the event the past 12 years. Uh, it's really exciting to talk about the World Expo of Beer. Uh, that'll be May 20th and 21st of this year in Frankenmuth, Michigan. Uh, this year, I have more of a back-end role, so I manage our website, uh, but I have chaired the event two years as well. So looking forward to talking more about the event. Uh, I actually have a beer today as well, so I'm going with Oddside's uh, 12-year anniversary IPA. Well, we appreciate you joining us. Let's let's real quick go over the competition because you had mentioned in the pre-show that you were a judge for it, so you were able to taste a lot of these amazing beers. Um, talk to us about the, the competition, who can enter it, uh, how many entries are there, and how do you guys, you know, what's, what's the decision process like, uh, especially for someone who may just be like a casual craft beer fan uh, who's not familiar with things like the phrase BJCP? Absolutely. Uh, so we did our commercial competition this past weekend on the Saturday before Easter. Uh, so what's great is that any brewery that's our participant of our event can send as many of their beers as they'd like uh, into the commercial competition. Uh, we have certified judges and a few novices as well that uh, kind of just go through that, like you said, that uh, MIBJCP 
whatever the acronym is. Uh, we use that to really assess and judge whether those beers fit the characteristics of that particular style that they're representing. So it's an IPA, you know, there's different uh, tasting notes. You should have different clarity of the beer, it could be different smells. Uh, so it's really looking at the beer, not necessarily based on your own personal palate or preference. Uh, it's really like, it's, it's a judging it based on the way it should or the style that it's representing. Uh, so it was a great time. Had uh, This is, gosh, I think this is the third year that I've judged before of the 12 years I've been involved, uh, just filling in for folks that couldn't make it. Uh, but it's a great day. It's so much fun. Uh, we have, um, gosh, look at my notes here. We've got about 64 different breweries that are coming to web this year. Uh, so all of them as participants in the event can, like I said, they can submit as much as they'd like. Um, so, you know, certainly there's, there's different things that go into it. So, you know, if they're three month old cans, it could affect the taste and smell. Uh, so usually those fresher beers are the ones that are going to place pretty well, but we had, uh, if I remember correctly, over 700 different beers that were entered into the competition, uh, these just individual style beers. Um, and then from there, they're put into the different categories. And as judges, we sit around and we assess them based on that style. Uh, so from there, we're usually placing a first, second, third, uh, or a gold, silver, bronze. And then from there, uh, things kind of progress through the day. So there may be, you know, looking at different styles of IPA, and then they all roll up into the American IPA category. Uh, so from there, the top beer of each category, uh, I believe there's 41 different types, uh, get put into the best of show. So the top or most seasoned judges then assess kind of what is the best overall beer compared to its category. So uh, because it's already been shared, I, I don't have to worry about letting the cat out the bag too early. But this, excuse me, uh, this year, uh, Odd Side Ales Citra Pale Ale took best in show, uh, which was the top beer out of all 700 plus beers that were uh, were there. Uh, so it was a really cool event. Uh, it's always fun. Uh, and I'm actually drinking some of our award winners tonight. So that Odd Side 12 year uh, anniversary IPA uh, took bronze uh, in its particular category this year. Now, before I pass it off to Wendy, because I know Wendy's got a lot of questions to ask, explain a little bit more about um, your organization and how it represent how it's represented within the World Expo of Beer. Um, you know, what do you guys do to participate, put it on? You know, what's kind of like the the behind not behind the curtains like salacious, but uh, sure. yeah. you know, <laughs> the the nitty gritty of how the festival gets put on. Absolutely. Uh, so for those that don't know, the JCs, we're a nonprofit organization. So all of us are people that have, you know, normal jobs. We've got families at home. Uh, in our spare time, we help run one of the larger beer festivals in the state of Michigan. Uh, so that's kind of the fun thing about it is we are a nonprofit. Um, so when it comes to kind of operations, we are all volunteers. So there's about 25 of us uh, that organize and plan the event and then put it on. Uh, with the help of volunteers from our local community to help pour uh, and serve from there. So uh, this is one that we all do through, you know, blood, sweat, and tears. And uh, from there, you know, the best reward with that is that all proceeds go to charity. Um, so I always tell people that's one of my favorite days of the year is when we've wrapped everything up, the books are closed. It's usually July or so. Uh, we all get to sit down and kind of argue, like, what do we do with that surplus funds? Uh, and where does it go? So, you know, really that's uh, the purpose. That's why we put the event on. Uh, certainly it's to help, you know, showcase all the beers around the world and especially the state of Michigan. Uh, but really it's, it's all just to donate back to our local community. So it's always a great time. It's very rewarding. I think that's going to be me. That's going to kick in there. Um, so I'm actually a JC as well. Um, awesome. I have actually been 
um, volunteering at Web since 2006. So it's I've watched the progression of this event over the years, and I absolutely am just amazed by the work that you guys do. How many volunteers do you bring in outside of the JCs to run this event? Sure. So I, I'll have to answer that in two parts. So, you know, pre-COVID, uh, when we used to have an individual booth for every single brewery, uh, it was upwards of 600 volunteers over the course of the weekend. Uh, so we usually run about 200 volunteers per shift. Uh, and that covers, like I said, Friday and then our two shifts that we normally have on Saturday just to cover that full uh, time that we're open. Uh, so since uh, COVID, we've had to, you know, kind of adjust some of our stuff, one volunteer, you know, a few or less volunteers. Uh, and just it gave us a chance to kind of explore and do some different things that we maybe hadn't, you know, if it works, why change it? Uh, so COVID gave us some opportunities to try some things new. So uh, so I, the chair for the event is going to kill me for saying this because she hates the word pods, but we're using our beer pods we did from <laughs> last year. Uh, so we're, we're clustering our breweries based on the distributor uh, and it allows us to kind of just minimize our volunteers. So this year we're expecting about 300 volunteers. So about half of what we're used to, um, but it's just because we've changed really the the structure in which we pour beer at the event to be a little bit more efficient. So that actually kind of leads into my next question. For those of us who have been uh, going to this event for a long time, what are some of the changes that they can expect? Sure. So I would say that this is really the year that we're, we're kind of getting back to normal. Uh, so like last year, we got a chance to really open up our grounds. Uh, in the past, we hadn't used uh, a few pavilions and spaces that were behind the Harvey Kern Pavilion. Uh, so we are going to keep that in place. We're going to actually be spreading out the grounds more than last year, uh, just because it was really cool uh, back behind the Harvey Kern where people hadn't been before. There's a very nice pavilion. It's actually the JC Pavilion, uh, but it overlooks the Cass River. So it just adds kind of that fun little outdoor uh, atmosphere to it. It's not just a big packed party tent or the large pavilion. It's just kind of offers just another space for us to serve beer uh, and to kind of just spread out and enjoy the grounds that are down there. So I was there last year. Um, I did get to come and hang out for uh, Friday evening. And I was very impressed with the way that um, you guys had it set up considering the safety protocols. Um, and I like the fact that you kind of had a little bit more space. So mm-hmm. I, I'm excited that you're going to keep with that same format there. Um, yeah. So my question, my next question then I guess would be, what is your favorite web story? <laughs> uh, if I remember correctly on the rules, it was just no, no religion, no politics. So I guess I can talk about people, you know, being idiots. So <laughs> uh, one of my all-time favorite stories, I've, I've got two of them, but I'll just share one. Uh, so, you know, typically, you know, folks are used to, you know, probably those uh, Bud, Light, Bud Light necks that I saw Dan drinking. Uh, so, you know, we've got our folks that are used to drinking their kind of standard beers, but, you know, hey, when they, when they get that first hit or first punch of, uh, you know, an 8% IPA, or they, you know, they're a little bit imbibed and they start asking for the strongest beer at every booth they go to, uh, they make mistakes, you know, they make uh, poor choices. Uh, so a couple of years ago, we had a lady uh, that was uh, decided to moon some folks that were in the, uh, the photo booth. Uh, so upon pulling her pants down to moon the people underneath the curtain in the photo booth, she fell down and was unable to get herself up while her pants were around her legs. Uh, so while I'm sitting there, you know, myself and another committee member just happened to see her fall and we were like, we should probably meet the cops. And we turned, there was three, uh, police officers kind of like snickering before they went over and, <laughs> and helped her up from there. So, uh, you know, it's just, there's things like that, but every year it's pretty much the same thing. Someone's going to go fall asleep in a, uh, you know, in a port john 
uh, or, you know, just do silly things from there. So, you know, nothing too wild. We've been very fortunate. Uh, we've, we've had a pretty safe group. Uh, we also offer bus transportation at our events. We try to minimize kind of any risks or any problems with people drinking and driving from our event as well. So I know that um, Frankenmuth has quite the reputation for festivals. Um, what are some of the uh, challenges that, that you find in a city where you have festivals every weekend? You know, I would say like challenges is, is like, uh, it's, it's hard to identify some, the city embraces really that festival culture. Um, so it's great because we're all using the same volunteers We're you know, most of our festivals are run by volunteer organizations, whether that's, um, you know, our, our local civics events uh, council. Um, so, I mean, we, we all kind of share resources. We, we share, you know, D tubes to help with traffic control. We, are sharing parking lots, you know, we're all renting the same space and making contributions to help, you know, make the park a little bit nicer. So, you know, it's, it's more of a, a blessing. It's a great community. Uh, they really embrace that. And, you know, that's the the best part about, it. I think none of our festivals would be successful with, without each other uh, just because we, we do it so well and we, and we share those resources and those people uh, to help run them. Are there any breweries that you are excited to see this year? Uh, most, if not all, uh, it is cool. You know, the hardest part, and I would say, you know, people it's fair, you know, we've been branded as the world expo of beer. Uh, certainly the beer industry has changed, you know, fun fact, this is our 25th anniversary for the world expo of beer. Uh, and in those 25 years, this event's been going on, uh, you know, the, the beer scene has changed a bit in Michigan, uh, you know, while it may have been a little bit easier to get more imports, uh, or less, you know, local brews, um, you know, now it's more of a struggle on there's so much representation in the market now, uh, especially in Michigan, uh, that, you know, trying to keep that world side of things. So what is fun is, you know, with working on the website, I've had a chance to kind of do some fun stuff and make some enhancements to it. So we do have a map this year. Um, so it's neat that all of our breweries that are participating are on this map. So it's cool to see a few that are, you know, little pins that are dropped in Germany or Finland or Mexico. Um, so we do have a couple of, of, you know, international beers from there, but uh, you know, as far as naming one specific brewery, uh, like it, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to pick. So good. You know, it's more or less just hoping that they send something fun. It's not just like, you know, their standard flagship beers you're going to see. Because uh, I've, I've had so many of them over the years as well. Uh, kind of going into, um, you know, what you just said about um, obviously the international beers and, you know, having the map and, and all the breweries that are showing up uh, that are on that list or just on the map, um, I guess, you know, there's, there's not obviously a lot of representation throughout the world. Obviously you've got the two that are overseas in Brewdog and Hofbrau. Uh, and then there are some mix of breweries that are, uh, that are others that are around the country. Um, so I guess the silly question, which I, I kind of feel like this is one of those things that you would get asked like all the time is that, why is it called the World Expo of Beer when the majority of the breweries that are at in attendance are from Michigan? That's a great question. And I, to be honest, I haven't been round, round along uh, enough to know like where the name came from, what the purpose of it. I know that the JCs inherited that. Uh, there was another civic group or someone else that used to run the World Expo of Beer, and then we took it on and you know put some more muscle behind it and, and were able to you know really grow it to the festival it is today. Um, so, you know, it's one of those ones like, you know, do, do you change a brand? 
I know we've had not necessarily those discussions within our uh, chapter or our committee, but um, you know, we we strive hard to at least have some uh, you know outside international representation within the market or w- within the event, uh, knowing that you know it it's just a matter of what's distributed here as well. You know, with Michigan liquor laws, like we can only uh, you know sell or, or or what we can only provide to the public what comes into our distribution network. Uh, so from there, you know, it's really carefully selecting with either breweries or with our distributors on trying to get those international products. So. You know, it's it's certainly a lot of work uh, just to keep a few of those international ones in. And when, like you said, like it is hard to explain why, um, you know, we just do what we can to at least keep some of that namesake within the event. Right. And I mean, truthfully, calling it the web, I don't, I don't see it, it's a it's a very easy initialism to remember. There you go. So, yeah. <laughs> For sure. I don't, see, I don't see any problem with that. Um, now, kind of going back to uh, what you were you were mentioning about. Um, the contest and and, every, and breweries being able to send in their beer. Um, are there any breweries that that basically just send in like half or three quarters or maybe even their entire portfolio and in, in hoping to to get a medal? I mean, is, is, are there any breweries out there that have just been all right? We're sending them everything. Uh, for the most part, it is quite a few uh, that will do that. Uh, so that's kind of the fun part about it is that you know, like I don't. I don't feel we've ever been like relegated to like the, I'll just call the the grocery store aisle beers. Uh, so they're, they're sending everything that they can, but um, we see some cool stuff that they won't necessarily can. Maybe it's, it's keg only uh, from the distributor from the brewery. So they're going to, they're, you know, putting growlers and crawlers together and mailing those in uh, to be submitted. So it's nice because they can submit more. I mean, that's how we get from, you know, 64 breweries to, you know, 700 plus products, you know, they're submitting 10 plus. Um, but you know, if you throw enough at the wall, like some stuff sticks, uh, we did have quite a few, uh, it was actually, it was pretty impressive. Um, you know, normally you'll see, like I said, maybe those more local ones, they can fill up, uh, you know, a, a crowler, they can fill up a growler on a, a Thursday and it makes it to our event on Saturday. So it's the freshest beer that's at that event. Um, but we've seen, you know, even more just commercially canned beers placed pretty well, uh, for the competition, you know, kind of a fun fact, just to talk about, you know, more which breweries did pretty well. Um, we had three different breweries that had over four beers that made it into those final 40. Um, so we talk about best of show, the best beer for its category. Uh, Tri-City had five different beers that made that uh, kind of the, the top 40. Uh, Oddside had five. And then Hofbrau, believe it or not, had four that made it into the top 40 as well. Oh, well. now is and there was a, a question that uh, just popped up in our Facebook chat. So I was going to throw that in there. Uh, sure. Is there is there a cost to for all of these entries for like each entry or like just per brewery? Nope, there uh, there is no charge. It's just as is an uh, that's just part of what we offer as part of the package for them to join World Expo Beers. They can submit it to our competition. So, no, there is no charge. Uh, you know, it is nice having a few extra cans after the festival. So that, that's what like I said. That's what I'm drinking tonight uh, is all these fun beers. So you can see here on this one, I probably can't see it very well, but I've got like its category. So this was a uh, 22A and this is the 62nd beer uh, within the, the you know, submitted uh, to the event from there. <laughs> nice. Now, when you're judging is I guess two parter. Uh, what are you looking for in the beer for 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 you to really put it up there to go on to the next round? And also, are there any styles that you don't like that make judging difficult? 
Yes, the second part is much easier. Uh, so as far as things that look, uh, I am a novice. I am not a certified judge. I haven't submitted to sit for the examination for uh, for the certification to judge. Um, so is, is a novice, like it's really just, I'm there to kind of just assess with my own palate. Like, does it taste good? Does it taste like beer? And I'll get back to why, whether or not it tastes like beer and why I said that. But uh, for me, it's just more like, is it a beer that I enjoy? Is it something that I would actually go and buy at a store? Like I'm, you, we are blind tasting these. Um, We are just getting clear plastic cups with all, you know, I think one of the categories we had 20 different beers. So I had 20 different clear cups in front of me. It's just a matter of, you know, smell, taste, color. Uh, head retention, all that type of stuff. And, you know, what, what qualifies for the category. And then from there, you know, what the only case I can make was, you know, what fits my palate, what tastes good, what would I actually go buy if I knew what it was? Um, so as far as, you know, uh, we have uh, quite a few judges that, that will did participate. I want to say there was about 10 tables of three of us. Um, so about 30 judges in total assessing all these beers. So I think we pulled about six different categories to the table that I was at. So two of this, the ones that I, I, I wouldn't say I, I don't necessarily like, but I, I don't prefer, uh, made it to our table. Uh, so the first one was our spiced category. Uh, so this can range from really anything. It's in their herb, gosh, herb spice. And I, I cannot remember what the third letter was. Uh, Does but that include was, pumpkin? Uh, yes. So pumpkin. Uh, one fun one that I did bring that I'm not going to be trying tonight was the Christmas pickle from Urban Artifact, which is a pickle beer. Um, I would say it's good to try just to say you have, but uh, probably make a better sidecar for like a Bloody Mary or something like that. Uh, so, it was, you know, it's interesting to try that against a, um, oh gosh, I think the Mayan mocha stout was in there since it was a uh, cinnamon uh, and spice flavored with that habanero. Uh, so, you know, it, it's very difficult to assess a beer because it's such a broad category. Uh, but then from there, you know, I, I didn't draw the worst one every year. Uh, one table gets what's called the alternatives uh, or the rainbow flight. Uh, so they're the ones that more assess based on color. Like what is their favorite color? You know, and I'm sure there's more that goes into it, but it's the one that like everyone dreads when they see that tray come out and what table it ends up going to. <laughs> wow. I'm pretty sure that would be Dan's favorite category. But the different colored ones, I'd probably just pour them on the ground. Like I'm not even going to screw around with those because you know that you know they're going to be sours or something that's just not even worth your time drinking most of the time. Um, but that actually, a good segue to a question I had. Um, I noticed you let um, you let meads in. You have a cider category. Why are there no yeah. hard seltzer categories or RTD cocktail categories? Is that planned for the future? No, they they have always been included. Actually, this is the first year we've segmented that on our website. Um, like I said, as I was kind of building stuff, adding all the breweries, I realized that there was such a large presence of n- non-breweries uh, that we brought brought broke out that second category. So that's really your you know your seltzers, your meads, your ciders, uh, your you know your alternative beverages from there. So we've got a, a pretty good array. I want to say there's 15 different uh, non-beers uh, that are going to be represented within it, and that's just uh, brands, not necessarily products from there. Gotcha. Now, I noticed some of the categories, especially mead, going back to that, there were only a few entries. And I believe if I saw correctly, one meadery won all three medals, for example, this year. What are you doing as an organization to try and grow the number of entries um, coming in for some of these? Uh, I wouldn't say it's really anything that we've we've had to like market. Uh, you know, we we have a very strong partner in Jim Brown. Jim Brown, I think, is pretty well known around the uh, the industry. Uh, so Jim helps us run that commercial competition. 
so you know, I I don't really know like how much marketing goes into trying to pull in you know other other stuff from there. A lot of it again just depends on you know who's coming to the event. Uh, or I want to say that you know as far as like traditional mead, uh, Bean Nectar was one of our only uh, true like sole meaderies. I think St. Ambrose may have been in there as well. Um, but uh, I know that we haven't had, there's a few different uh, ones that have come in past years that didn't make it this year. So a lot of it just depends on also what comes uh, or and who's coming to the event that particular year. Now, here's a bit of a fun one since you've judged over the years. Talk to us about the worst beer you've ended up tasting um, when you've been judging these. Doesn't matter the category. Just tell us about the worst beer you've you don't, had. You don't have to name names. <laughs> no, you don't have to name names. Just talk about the beer. Talk about the beer. <laughs> Uh, I will say that there were a few that came across, uh, you know, cro- across the plate this year that, uh, you know, it, it, it took maybe just a sniff to be like, no, like, I don't think this is going to work out well. <laughs> you know? Uh, you know, one thing that we, I talked about kind of that herb spice, you know, uh, category, um, you know, where th- that does, I, I really think fall on personal preference where if you're drinking a very, you know, I wouldn't say vinegary, but, uh, you know, maybe a, a pickle beer, uh, you know, it, it doesn't, if you really like pickles, like that's going to be an amazing beer for you. Uh, I enjoy pickles, but I don't know if I enjoy it in a carbonated can form. Uh, <laughs> so I won't say that's the worst one, but that was a very interesting one, but trying to try that next to, like I said, like, a uh, a spice cinnamon habanero beer, uh, was just like, it just, it wrecks the palate. Uh, and that is part of the hard part about judging as well is that, you know, you're not getting categories in any particular order that makes sense. Uh, you know, we, you may be hitting IPAs on one category, alternatives that are coming the next flight and the next ones, uh, you know, there's smoked stouts. Uh, so, you know, a lot of it just depends on, you know, kind of the luck of the draw. But as far as worse beers, like it, it's really hard to say, like, there's that one beer uh, that I would never drink again. There are some that are very memorable. Um, just because it's a beer I've never had before. It's been years, but right brain used to make a red beet beer. Uh, and that was always one of the interesting ones or occasionally Sam Adams would send their utopias. Uh, and so, you know, kind of those rare, hard to find ones, things you just don't normally see uh, are kind of the ones that mostly stick out from the years of being a judge. Now, one final question here before I pass it over sure. to Ken. Um, I'm curious, is there a particular brewery or a beer that you would love to see entered uh, judging or not, is there someone you'd like to see show up or send a specific beer to enter the competition? I wouldn't say anything specific. You know, again, I I, I hate to give shameless plugs to to you know <laughs> places that I enjoy, but um, I you know I I don't believe they made it this year. They did come I think last year, the year before. But Oracle makes really great beer uh, out of downtown Saginaw. Um, so they're kind of more small. They don't distribute much, if any, at all. Um, but I'm a big fan of their sea beans. Uh, it's one of my favorite beers from kind of the local market. Uh, so I'd love to see them, you know, come back to the event and, and perhaps even submit that as well. Cool. Ken, over to you. Yeah, I want to take it back a little bit to the festival. Um, sure. The, the festival has always been something that's that's very fun, um, but always felt a lot different. So if you've been to a Brewers Guild festival, this is definitely not like the Brewers Guild festival. Um, it's it's more of a party as opposed to a a nerd type fest. Because when you go to a Brewers Guild festival, you got a lot of those people. When you go to the web, however, you got a lot of the people who just happened to be in Frankenmuth one weekend and is like, oh, there's a beer festival. I'm going to show up. Um, what makes it so special for all these people to come to your festival? And if I'm on the fence, why would I come to yours versus, you know, just hanging in downtown Frankenmuth or doing something else? 
Sure. So, you know, having never been to a, uh, you know, kind of, I'll just say, you know, a competitor, having never been to the, one of the, uh, you know, Michigan beer festivals uh, run by the Brewers Guild, uh, you know, for me, like, I, I think the big thing that we always, you know, we try to hit or really try to explain is that, again, like, this is all non-for-profit stuff. Um, so, you know, coming to our event, uh, you know, buying beer samples, buying t-shirts, you know, merchandise, whatever the case may be, like, you know, all that money is, is going to pay for us to run that festival. And it's going to, you know, help you know, put a jersey on a kid's back. It's going to help restore, you know, stands, uh, you know, bleachers at one of the local high schools. Um, so, you know, so all the money is going to, you know, great causes. It's not here to line our pockets. Like, I mean, I spend a new, a stupid amount of hours. My wife probably doesn't, she probably knows how many hours I spend on this, but I don't, uh, but it's a lot. Uh, so, you know, it's really just, it's a bunch of, you know, young professionals that are trying to make a difference in their community. Um, and, you know, I think that's really what's special about our particular event. Um, you know, from there, you know, it, like you said, it, it's a party. You know, it's it's middle end of May. It's usually between Mother's Day and Memorial Day. So it's that nice, like, early spring, uh, you know, not quite summer yet. So it's just a great time. You know, we've got DJs, karaoke, uh, food trucks, kind of the whole deal. So, you know, as you mentioned, it, it's part of that. It's just that party experience and that party atmosphere uh, that makes it fun as well. So, you know, certainly... Uh, you know, we're hoping for great attendance here. We've been, uh, you know, really setting up our shuttle services with our local hotels. And it sounds like most, if not, are all already sold out. Um, so certainly if anyone does have an interest in coming to the event, certainly check out uh, local uh, comp- uh, local places to stay or at our website. You can see our participating uh, hotels and, uh, you know, who we have free rides going to and from throughout the weekend. We decided to get the the pack not package but the hotel the Bavarian Inn so we're going to be walking right across the parking lot Perfect. to the the festival without any issues. Um, we did book our hotel just a couple days ago, so I know for sure uh, hotel rooms are still available uh, for people to go check it out. With the the festival itself, was there a beer that you did not get a chance to try during the competition uh, or post-competition uh, that you're excited to go try at the festival? So that's kind of the fun part is a lot of breweries won't tell us what they're bringing to the event. Typically, they're going to wait until the competition is done so they can see what's placed and then they try to highlight those beers uh, to it. So um, I, myself am a stout head, you know, we're getting just out of the dark beer barrel age season. Uh, so there was a few actually variants of, uh, some VOD sides, uh, dark barrel age series that I didn't get a chance to try, um, at the event. So I think they've had maybe two or three different, uh, variations of, I think it's deleterious. I don't know if I'm saying it the right way. Um, but there was uh, a few different styles of their hazels nuts. So they, they sent, you know, certainly quite a few of those barrel age beers about that I appreciate and really enjoy. Uh, so looking forward to, you know, hopefully trying a few of those at the festival this year. How uh, how much is Oddside paying for uh, this giant 45-minute commercial you're getting? <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> what about other, you know, you could, I, I, after you go into the festival itself, um, what other types of drinks are you potentially looking to increase? Because as we are gathering more options for the consumer itself are you going to be adding maybe more like an rtd category or a gluten-free category or hard seltzer or smoothie seltzer i should say because it's not like the regular hard seltzers (laughs) um like does do you guys plan on expanding a little bit more to maybe close to beer categories 
Uh, we actually have a few of them this year. So new this year, we've got uh, Athletic Brewing Company. Um, so I believe their whole portfolio is NA. Um, so we do have quite a few different NA options. But, uh, you know, as far as, you know, kind of those non-beers, uh, you know, it seems like every year we don't really plan, but it just happens. There just happens to be more. Um, so there's a few brands that I've never had before. Uh, not really my style per se, uh, but we've got a few different brands that are coming this year that are kind of new to the event. Um, so looking forward to kind of seeing how people enjoy them. Uh, you know, we, we got it. I wouldn't, you know, again, I hate, I hate to say some of these things, but uh, like we've, uh, you know, like the Smirnoffs aren't coming. I believe they've just been supplemented by, you know, some other alternative beverage, but um, you know, we do try to keep that balance again. Not everyone's a beer drinker. So we want to make sure we do provide the appropriate products to, you know, entertain the masses that we have, you know, the, the hop heads girlfriend comes and she only likes clear and fizzy. We're going to have that for her. I guess to and, clarify, and maybe, and maybe Dan too. To, to clarify <laughs> my question a little bit. Yeah. I'm normally a barrel aged stout drinker. This hey, is right. just, yeah. Dan, Dan, First impressions. You, you, know. you said, you said stout season's almost over. Dan's about oh. to continue stout season in the hundred yeah, degree weather. The, in there's no yeah. such thing as stout season no. because if there was, then there would be an IPA season. So stout uh, season is all year round. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I guess, I guess what I was asking was do all of these beers that don't necessarily fit into the, the BJCP categories that you have, do they just all get put into the alternatives category and you kind of just decide what's the best? Is that how everything works? Or do you plan on maybe segmenting a little bit more, even if it's not okay. a, a BJCP category? Gotcha. Uh, we don't necessarily do that. We follow everything by the BJCP. Um, so like, that's, that's something that we don't necessarily like, I guess, mess with or, or follow. Um, from an event standpoint. So yeah, all those just get lumped into one category. And, you know, like I said, the judges have to figure out what they like best. I have a question about that. So do, when they send in the beer, do they choose which category they're putting it in? Or do you choose what category they're putting it in? I'm not familiar with, with that. Uh, Like I said, Jim's been a huge resource for that particular event. Uh, I've just been more on the steward side of things or, or getting called up to be a judge. Um, so I'm not 100% certain on you know, all the inner workings of, of how that's done. I would assume that they are applying to a particular style because um, I can't imagine, you know, getting 700 different beers and trying to figure out like, oh, like I'm going to read the description off their website and try to put it into a specific category. So I'm, I'm assuming right. there's probably a method to the madness. Uh, I just don't know what it is. Interesting. Well, I have to follow not- up on that and post it later. <laughs> uh, there was another question that came from the chat. It was uh, one um, individual was, was wondering if it was too late to actually uh, participate in the festival as a brewery. I was wondering when the, uh, what the deadline is for that. So we still are, you know, kind of just massaging out a few things. Uh, I would, would say that we are, you know, continue to explore at least options from the international side of things. Uh, actually, was just seeing in my email popped up. Uh, we did solidify another ca- uh, a Canadian brewery that came in. Um, so I know that we just added one this week. Uh, so, you know, if you, the question's coming from someone from outside of the U.S., like we are more than happy to bring you in. Uh, but from there, uh, you know, we're really like locked in for yeah, I would say just more of our domestic styles of beers. Oh, um, and I don't see it on the site. Uh, when is kind of the normal cutoff time for that? Uh, we usually run a registration, you know, so uh, it's oh, uh, for the breweries that have been involved with it. It's usually a hot mess. It's a flash sale. 
uh, where our breweries are typically like we set out a couple of links. We just say, hey, we're going to open at a particular time and usually it takes about 10 minutes to lock in 60 breweries. Um, so it is usually wild. Uh, so lately, because we didn't have much control over necessarily like our representation within it, it was just more about whoever signed up first gets a spot. Uh, and that's where we struggle with sometimes with finding those internationals. Um, so from there, we've been working really closely with a lot of our distribution partners um, and just, hey, like we've got 20 booths for you. You know, you help us pick, you know, who's going to come um, or you hit up your market. Uh, you know, we also try to carve out some space for our, our non-distributed beers uh, or the self-distributors. Um, so we, we try to have a, a fair balance within the event. We're not, you know, overloading a particular distributor or, uh, you know, forgetting about our non-distributed breweries. So um, really there, there's, um, you know, kind of different ways we've had to massage it over the years, really just to make sure that we're getting that good representation in the market. Um, it's not just, uh, you know, who clicks first in those 10 minutes and then we're stuck with, you know, not stuck with, but we only have Michigan breweries and there's no one from international. There's no fun new brewery that's just got introduced to the market. Um, so, so yeah, so there, there's ways we've done to kind of massage that process out. Right. Uh, and I got one more and then I was going to probably pass it off here. Uh, but I saw that it was in a, a previous interview that it would take generally about seven weeks to plan for the festival. Uh, obviously with, <laughs> you're, you're already Who said laughing. that? <laughs> I, I, I have to find the, um, because I found an article and they said it, it basically takes about seven weeks. Uh, but obviously it had Must to be, be set nice. up. <laughs> well, I guess give us, give us yeah. your perspective about, you know, how long does it take? And I guess this year compared to last year or, you know, pre COVID, um, what has changed in that preparation and, and making this, making this festival run? Sure. So, you know, as far as, you know, um, you know, kind of got a lot, a lot of loaded stuff into that question. So, you know, as far as uh, time for us to, you know, make this happen, it's typically about seven months. Uh, that interview may have been me like talking about like COVID and like, hey, we had seven weeks from like when they said, yes, like we're not shutting down this next phase. So it gave us seven weeks to pull off the event. But in a normal year, uh, it's typically about seven months, usually about October is when we start getting our skeleton crew up. That's for us to you know, lock in and getting our website up and running for ticket sales. It's starting to talk about breweries that are coming. It's updating our website for the event. So, you know, typically it's a few of us are going to start earlier in the year. Uh, you know, it's more recruiting, trying to fill out our board, our, uh, our committee from there. So, you know, that's a part of being volunteers as well as that every year there's different people in different roles. Uh, so, you know, we've been very fortunate over the years. We've had enough people that have been tied to the event, you know, like myself and others that are have been there for 10, 12 years involved. So, you know, we, we can do this in our sleep. We've done it so many times. It's all second nature. It's, you know, the festival planning is up here, uh, not say on a piece of paper, uh, but that's, that's also the struggle is that, you know, it's trying to get new members into the JCs is trying to get new people involved and trying to get them uh, willing to commit seven months of planning or five months of planning to help execute the event from there. So, you know, I, I would say as far as challenges go, you know, COVID threw a lot of challenges, you know, not only at just building and planning event and executing events, you know, we had to go through a postponement in May of 2020 to a cancellation in the fall of 2020 to, uh, hey, we're going to give it a shot in 2021 and see what happens. And then luckily, like we didn't get locked down the few weeks before the event happened. So, you know, there's certainly been, uh, you know, I've lost a few hours of sleep in my life over those, uh, those two years. Uh, but 
as far as the committee goes, you know, a lot of people are burned out from COVID. It's tough to really commit to, to things. And, um, you know, that was, that's, I would say it was one of the harder parts, you know, and something that we're trying to address as a, a chapter, as a JCs and as an event is trying to keep people motivated to get those new members, to get people to realize that this is worthwhile. It's a great time. Yeah. We have a fun time thing on an event like this. Um, so try to unpackage it. Hopefully I answered your question. Uh, yeah. did as best I could. No, you did. And and my apologies. I had to completely mix it up. It was you that actually okay. you were quoted in this. So, but, yeah. but, but you did say, you said it took about eight months and con- condensed that to seven weeks for last year. Gotcha. I, okay, I completely perfect. read that wrong. So so, so no my bad on that. that that's, that's what happens when you're, you're trying to read uh, articles while you're picking up kids from rehearsals. So that, that's on go. me. <laughs> All right. Back to you, Ken. Yeah, you've mentioned a lot of it being a, you know, volunteer driven festival Uh, in the chat. Somebody had asked, you know, are there perks to being a volunteer other than, you know, donating your time to a worthy cause? Sure. So, you know, as a committee member, uh, you know, we we the 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 pride, I guess, is is putting on a successful event. Uh, most of us are professionals in our day-to-day lives. You know, I, you know hopefully all of us are, uh, but you know, like we all have jobs at, at work that maybe we don't get an opportunity to flex some of those muscles on project management and communications and public speaking. Um, so what's great about this event, as far as like being a committee member is that you get to hone some of those skills and it really prepares you for, you know, that career life, I guess, or with, with whatever career that you're, you're going towards or, or within, um, in addition to that, like I said, we could argue about where all the money goes at the end of the event. And, you know, for those that don't finish all of their kegs or for every case that's broken as a committee, we do get to keep all of those things. So I typically have a six tap beer trailer in my driveway over the course of the summer, uh, encouraging friends and locals from the JCs to help, uh, you know, drink down our leftovers. So certainly there's some, you know, fringe benefits to organizing an event and paying for every keg and every case that's opened. Uh, and tapped within the event. You know, as far as volunteers go, for those that are helping day of, I'm sure Wendy can talk about this. You get a, a sweet little t-shirt uh, for the World Expo of Beer uh, for being a volunteer. We feed them uh, and they get a little bit of time back in our VIP area to enjoy themselves at the event in addition to attendance at the festival, either the day before their shift or the day after as well. So, you know, we certainly make it worthwhile for those that give up, you know, a couple hours of their day to help pour beer for us. Uh, and just make sure they have a chance to enjoy the the show, if you will. With the large amount of alcohol and liquor changes that have been going on in the state of Michigan, especially over the last two years due to COVID, um, a lot of relaxations, a lot of changes. Is anything changing over at World Expo of Beer, um, or do you plan on keeping things going the, the exact same way? Uh, as far as I'm aware of, I typically work with, I know, get securing a liquor license for our event as well. Um, there hasn't been much change, at least that I've seen, as far as the special licenses for nonprofits. Um, so I know there's different laws that have changed around like uh, growler and to-go beers and things of that nature. From my understanding, that hasn't quite hit the special event licenses yet. Um, that was something that we were looking at you know, quite a few years ago on like, hey, like, could we do growlers you know, out the door uh, at the end of the festival just to shorten some of our spoilage after the event? Um, but as far as we're aware, there hasn't been any, you know, major changes that have, that have you know, causes of shift act in order to try to find different ways to, you know, kind of maximize the event from there. Um, so no, no major changes with, uh, you know, the recent law, law changes uh, for the beer industry. Well, before we get into the final questions, I do have one and I'm going to put you on the spot. 
Um, Perfect. Just because uh, one of the big laws that did change was the requirement for uh, some form of transaction that occurs, whether it's tickets, tokens, Bluetooth, not Bluetooth, RFID wristbands. Yeah, yeah RFID, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, are you guys still planning on uh, creating some type of transactional uh, interface there at World Expo, or is it uh, going to be just what every other state does, free-for-all for a festival? <laughs> we do not do free-falls. That's uh, I would say before the JCs took it on, that's why they never made money and they lost money every year with the event. Um, so it is a ticket per sample. Um, so there is, uh, so what we've changed a little bit this year is, is our pricing structure. As far as admission goes, we have upped our pricing, uh, for the event. Uh, it's now $30 to get in, but people are getting $10 worth of your tickets out of that transaction. So it's great that when people are coming into the door, uh, they get their admission, they get their little mini mug. Uh, and then from there, they're ready to sample. So they're not waiting in line to get into the event and then waiting in line to get beer tickets to sample within the event. So, um, so we are creating that kind of at least trying to get people in so they can get their first few samples uh, at the event and then they can always purchase additional uh, beer tickets from there. But it, it, for the most part, it is typically one uh, one ticket per sample. Sometimes we'll get into the two, threes and fours. It just depends on how expensive the product gets were, you know, those crazy expensive 375 milliliter bottles of mead. Uh, you might get four, you know, four tickets for a five ounce pour. Um, so it really just depends on the, the price point of the product and whether we're not you know, losing our shirts on it. And I'm going to ask another question. This is not a representative question of better on draft as much as I am better on draft. Um, but I want to give you the opportunity because last year we made comments about the World Expo beer and a lot of the comments involved the price uh, to get in. Um, Wendy dressed us down pretty hard, I believe, live on a show, if not uh, pre-show, post-show, a few times in Slack, a few times over the phone. Um, but the the price point was a sticker shock last year. Um, a yeah. lot of people, and it, I'm not telling you anything new. You saw the comments online. Um, <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> let's. I, I for the people who don't understand maybe the process, don't understand the festival. Um, what would you say to someone who uh, looked at that and said, you know? I'm never going to the web. I'm not going to support, you know, what, why is the price point the way it was and what's going on in the future? I'm, I want to give you the opportunity to kind of, uh, and I appreciate that, Ken. So, yeah. So, you know, we are a nonprofit, like again, nonprofit, AKA when the day is done, like all proceeds are gone and we're starting with, you know, some basic startup cash. So when world expo beer happened, you know, like we were planning a full event in 2019, we're talking, $12,000 secured in tents, $10,000 for the pavilion that we're doing. Uh, you know, like we were pot committed and we were, you know, we were loaded with, uh, I'll just say, you know, $45,000 worth of contracts to execute the event like we would any, any year. So when the world shuts down in, in March, you know, two months prior to the festival starting, uh, we are, you know, we are in the red uh, and sitting in the red for quite a bit of time trying to, you know, work with our vendors to see if there's ways we can get part of our refund back while we're trying to postpone or push the event to a future time. Um, so, you know, the price point was a necessity for us to even hit zero uh, and to get into the black uh, as far as an event goes. You know, when we're looking at, you know, we could only have so many people at a time uh, at an event, you know, with, with crowd controls, restrictions, uh, you know, having to increase our sanitization stuff. So, just the sheer ability to put on the event. We had to put in these 
shifts and increase the price just to try to do something since we were locked in with all this uh, kind of upfront overhead for the event. So, you know, it was, it was born of necessity. Uh, we know that we've always been one of the cheapest uh, beer festivals out there as far as large scale goes uh, from a price point. We, we've looked in the market. We've always been around, you know, that 10 to 15, maybe $20 price point for entry. Um, so, you know, that certainly was a sticker shock. Uh, and again, it was just because of, we didn't have a, a bank account to draw from. Uh, we didn't have a rainy day fund since we're not a, you know, a true standard LLC or business. We're a nonprofit. So, you know, I hope people understand. I hope it didn't put enough distaste in people's mouths. Like I said, we have bright, brought that price point back down where truly it is a $20 admission now. So, you know, if you want to look at it over prior years, pre-COVID, it's about a $5 increase, you know, certainly, you know, inflation, all that fun stuff. We won't talk about politics, like you said. Uh, so, you know, it, our cost of increase, we are increasing that cost to represent that. And we still think that $20 is a pretty fair price point. Um, it is 30 for admission because you are getting those $10 of beer tickets right when you walk in the door. Um, so, you know, again, I appreciate that, that opportunity to speak to that, Ken. Because uh, I know we did lose some of our web faithfuls over the years uh, with that, but you know I hope they understand it wasn't a money grab. Uh, it was us trying to keep our shirts and, and try to keep the event going, really. All right. Well, that is uh, it, except for we got our final questions to ask. So I'm going to start with Rob. Rob, what's your final question uh, for our guest here? Oh, it's a stupid one. It's a stupid one. <laughs> um, I, I I just love asking this question now with with festivals because you know we already know the answer, but I think it does need to be clear for the people who will be attending. Um, my question is: Does a designated driver pass mean that I get a designated driver when I get drunk? <laughs> no, it does not. But we do have buses, so there are designated drivers to take people back to their local hotels. Uh, that are on our shuttle map. So, uh, so certainly uh, DDs are included. You don't need a pass to get one. Uh, we've got those buses running for everyone throughout the weekend. <laughs> I, I'm still waiting for an answer, but the upcoming Traverse City Beer Festival over in, uh, I believe it's properly in Chum's Corner, Michigan, uh, which is where Turtle Creek Stadium is. Uh, I want to know if there is any type of buses or anything like that because there's not much for hotels over there there's no cab service up in traverse city most of the major cabs services closed uh, at one point i think there was a uber driver um <laughs> like one yeah like just one, one driver just, just one guy his name's steve and uh <laughs> that that the steve part is a lie but um wendy what's your final question so uh, for the people who are coming into town for the first time to visit Webb, what is something you suggest they do while they're there that is not a part of the festival? So, uh, you know, uh, spend their time in Frank Move. It's fun. Uh, there's nothing better on like a nice spring day walking up and down town. Uh, so, you know, lots of restaurants, lots of shopping, lots of fun little like kind of knickknack stores. But really, it's, you know, the best part is just really the atmosphere of town. Uh, it's so much fun to be on a busy street walk, you know, uh, the street just walking up and down uh, and just enjoying everything that Frank Booth has to offer. So really, if you're going to be there, take the time to walk through downtown, you know, certainly support our local businesses, um, but really just the atmosphere. And it's just it's such a fun town to be in uh, this time of year. Dan. All right. Ken was actually just complaining Dan about this before Dan. the show. Um, so taking a look at the winners this year, there's no alt beers. 
on the list. Why are there no alt beers that have won medals in 2022? I have no idea. I'm not sure. When you say alt beer, is there a category that nothing placed in? Yeah, as I'm looking through the list right now, there isn't a single alt beer. Yeah, probably. There were probably zero sent in, but oh, I didn't see that. But there's no. I noticed there's no alt beer on here. I know that would upset Ken, so I, was, I thought I better ask it. Uh, unless, unless Alaskan and Sheboygan sends one in, uh, or you're getting something from the the Old Nation Urban Rest collab. Uh, yeah, okay. you're, it's 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 a very small category. Um, while there are national um, brands like Alaskan Amber, Sheboygan mm-hmm. Lighthouse Amber. Um, there it's it's just definitely not a, a large one but i've got i've got uh, a four pack right over there of a uh, very very good alt beer from uh i was about to say zetuna liquor but old nation and urban rust that's the correct <laughs> one and we were operating off the 2015 uh i guess um, style guide so i'm not sure if the style guides have changed over the years but we do operate off the 2015 version of the bjcp no, no, Dan's just being a troll to me. Um, Perfect. If, if we were in studio, I would have <laughs> yep, muted him. Absolutely. Away. Yeah, he would have. <laughs> um, I guess my final question to you guys, and I guess this is uh, more curiosity than anything. Uh, knowing that you guys are going to be doing beer festivals and stuff, how come we don't see you guys necessarily collaborate with a local brewery or maybe whoever wins best in show try to go over there and do like a collaboration brew uh, to release at next year's festival? So we, we have tried that in the past. Uh, we've been trying to, you know, like talk to local breweries. So we did do that. I want to say one year, maybe like 2015, um, where our committee went to Lansing Brewing Company, I believe it was. Uh, and we, we help them brew a batch. So we have tried to like, again, part of the, we, our committee changes every year. Uh, we get new ideas and new people every year. So we, we try to put a little different spin on stuff. Uh, you know, we used to do, uh, a food and beer pairing at the event. We did used to do the people's choice. We try to do a world expo of beer brew. Um, so like we, we've kind of just toyed with all those different ideas. You know, one thing that I just found out today that again, I, I told them if they want to put me on the, on the podcast, then, you know, they have to deal with what I say. Uh, but it sounds like uh, we're working with Bray, uh, Blake's Cider Company, and they're going to be actually debuting one of their new ciders at our event. Um, so there should be some marketing coming out pretty soon leading up to the event. But it sounds like they are releasing one of their new products uh, exclusively at the World Expo of Beer. So uh, if you're a cider head, uh, you know, certainly keep uh, keep your eyes open uh, and check it out. All right. Well, that's going to do it. That was the Michigan series episode number 25. Uh, thank you so much for joining tickets still available. Uh, where can they get them? Uh, World Expo of beer.com. All right. No matter what you think of your beer, we think it's better on draft. Have a good night. Peace. Folks, you can join us each and every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern where we have our interview followed by the news segment over at Facebook.com forward slash Better on Draft, Twitch.tv forward slash Bod Podcast, and BetterOnDraft.tv. Find us on all of our social medias, Better on Draft on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and now TikTok. That's just Better on Draft. You can friend us on Untapped to see what we are drinking, Bod Podcast. And, of course, you can join our Reddit community. That's Reddit r slash better on draft as well as our facebook group join and discuss with us today's hot topics 
We appreciate our sponsors, the Tuna Liquor in Rochester Hills, just south of F-59 on Rochester Road and North Center Brewing over in Northville, Michigan, just south of Baseline Road. And this month's special sponsor, World Expo of Beer. You can go Friday or Saturday. Tickets still available. Come find us over there. We will have our own table. Cheers, and we'll see you soon.